What happens to the hellbender happens to us. We've been waiting for this day for almost five years, but it's like finding a needle in the haystack, finding that male guarding a nest that we know is his nest. So I, I don't think I will ever lose the feeling I had that day, and I'm hopeful that I will get to find that again this year. We're chasing that high. Yes, well, yes we are. <laughs> Hey there, and welcome back to Nature Boost. I'm Jill Pritchard with the Missouri Department of Conservation. What high exactly is Jeff Brigler chasing? Our state herpetologist is referring to perhaps one of the most important conservation efforts of his career, saving the endangered hellbender. Never heard of it? Maybe you know this aquatic critter by one of its other names, snot otter, Allegheny alligator, or water dog. The hellbender is the largest salamander found in North America, and Missouri is very special as it's the only place in the world where both Ozark and Eastern hellbender subspecies exist. This past fall, I tagged along with Jeff as he conducted his first search of the year to see if any hellbenders were reproducing. Well, today is really an exciting day. Uh, it's the first day of the fall season that I'm going out to search for eggs. So I'm going to one of the Eastern Hellbender rivers uh, because they lay eggs earlier in the year, usually in mid to late September. Ozarks are in October more. So we start on those streams first. So we're just gonna go out, see if eggs have been laid yet. If they have, we're gonna determine what stage of development, how fresh they are. Uh, maybe we'll get lucky and find a male guarding a nest today. That's one came from the St. Louis Zoo. So there's all types of excitement today and every year it's something new we learn. Rivers in Southern Missouri and Northern Arkansas once supported up to 45,000 Ozark and Eastern hellbenders. Today, only about 2,000 exist in the world. So few that both subspecies have been added to the federal endangered species list. Biggest threats these salamanders face include habitat alteration and degradation, disease, predation, and degraded water quality. On a mission to restore populations, MDC partnered with the St. Louis Zoo and other agencies in the early 2000s to breed hellbenders in human care and rear eggs collected from the wild. Once the zoo reared larvae reached between three to eight years old, they were released in their native Ozark aquatic ecosystem. Since the breeding and raising of these animals began, more than 12,000 Ozark and Eastern hellbenders have been released. In the fall of 2022, the day scientists had been waiting for came. Last fall, we were out looking for eggs. We were fortunate to find a male hellbender guarding a clutch of eggs. And that male hellbender, they all have tags in it from what we released in the wild, had a tag number that we knew came from the St. Louis Zoo. So that eggs were collected by myself in 2013 and released in 2019. And then in the fall of 2022, he became the first documented male to fertilize a clutch of eggs in the wild. How did you feel whenever you guys were able to confirm that news? I mean, it was kind of surreal, I guess, in a way, because We've been waiting for this day for almost five years because we've released a lot of hellbenders, but it's like finding a needle in the haystack, finding that male guarding a nest 
that we know is his nest. So it's probably happening out there, but just documenting it. So I don't think I will ever lose the feeling I had that day. And I'm hopeful that I will get to find that again this year. Do you need me to paddle? Oh, no, you're fine. Oh, great. I was hoping that was the answer. <laughs> I'm just curious if I, due to the conditions today, it's time for Eastern Hellbenders to breed. We've had a lot of cold nights. We got a nice overcast day, so they might be moving some during the daytime. So there's a high probability we might see some walking on the bottom if we pay attention. How will I be able to tell that I can see a hellbender walking on the bottom? Just the well, shape of them? Walking, they're going to, I mean, like they're going to be large animals, 16, 17, 18 inches in size. And they're, if they're walking up, they're just going to be like looking like a brown looking log, straight, walking straight up the river. <laughs> so it's just going to stick out. It's just something that's a little unnatural looking than the normal habitat on the bottom like anything you get a search image for it over time and you can pick them out just kind of like when you look for deer in the field you're looking for the shape outline same thing over time you just look for an animal shape that just doesn't seem to fit when they're moving if you've seen a hellbender you'd never forget it they have broad flat heads with very small lidless eyes and on the sides of their body they have really pronounced folds of skin that kind of look like lasagna noodles which is where they get their other nickname lasagna sides they also have a flattened rudder-like tail the eastern hellbender can measure around 24 inches long while the ozark hellbender is slightly smaller their skin is also sensitive to light so they typically stay safe by hiding under rocks If you're doing these on your own, how do you zip up your wetsuit? <laughs> I hardly ever do any on my own. Oh, yeah? Always, okay. I always have somebody from safety. But sometimes I'm at one landowner and I'm right by his house. I know him. He zips up my suit for me. <laughs> or if I'm somewhere and somebody's driving by, I'll politely ask. <laughs> hey, hey, you, you mind, mind zipping, zipping me up? up my suit? <laughs> Dang, that is really sucking you in there, huh? Yeah. Look like you got poured into this thing. <laughs> No, I got it. Okay. okay. Try to do it one hand. Is it That's is that good? Okay. We have a nest over here, a documented nest that you were checking out. Yeah, what we're going to check out first is our artificial nest boxes right. that we transplant in the wild in the different rivers. And uh, we have several boxes here and one of them is a fairly consistent box. The animal in there, since we put this box in here 12 years ago, he's bred in there 11 times. So he's kind of my first representative of the year to it's see if the, there's eggs are there. It's the same, same male. Same male. Every year. Yep. Every year. Every and year. this, again, this is the Eastern hellbenders we're checking out because they breed sooner than the Ozark subspecies. Oh, look at me. I'm an expert already. <laughs> okay. All right. So what are you, you're gathering your... Yeah, I just want to take a little data, take some water temperature, amount of time we're going to be here. Because okay. if we do find eggs, water temperature is very important for determining when they were laid. Because development of eggs is slower in the colder water and faster in warmer water. 
So as you do this for the whole season, having that water temperature is great to have. So it's not too bad, 16.4 Celsius, which is about 60 degrees, 61. Even though we're in here looking for eggs, I will do a count on what hellbenders I see today and tally those so we know how many been observed during the course of the day and then at the locations we're at. Okay, and right now you're putting on your weighted belt. Yeah, the weight belt to help me stay on the bottom a little bit easier. You're going to be over there a little bit? There's two spots right here. Okay. So I'm going to check first. All right. You're going under. Good luck. All right, Jeff is now snorkeling to the nest box. He's underwater. While checking on the nest, Jeff would bring up a hellbender for processing if given the chance. Whoa! Oh my gosh! Look at his little feet! Whoa! Wow, he does have a pancake head. <laughs> Could I touch him? Yeah. Is that okay? Oh, he is slippery. Wow. They do have like lasagna size. He would weigh the animal, take measurements, swab for disease, and see if males were providing sperm to determine what stage of development they were in for breeding season. There's no exposed skin anywhere. His eyes look good. Wrinkles of skin. Let's see if he's got four toes on each front. Limb. Four toes. <laughs> They're pretty so good. Cute. They have five in the back. Five in the back. One, two, three, four, five. Looks fine. Let's see if he's got them all here. Looks good. We'll flip him over. Check his any sores. Any other signs? Looks like really his only problem is somebody got his tail at some point in time. Okay, so now we'll see if he's producing any sperm. Okay, so earlier you were telling me about the consistency and just the sperm overall in general, and you can tell a lot about um, like the the quality, the quality of, by, of the breeding season. And yeah, just by color and texture. Let's see if he's going to produce any. I mean, he's producing a little bit. It's not real milky yet. It's fairly clear. I think we're actually a little early. So it, that tells you it's a little early in the breeding season yeah, right now? Yeah, it looks like we're just a tatter. Not to say a few have bred somewhere, but I don't think we've hit the peak yet. Gotcha. So while swimming out there, before I was checking down my next nest box, I looked on the ground and I found a helmeter egg laying on the ground. So here's a fresh... This is probably a two, one or two day old egg right here. Oh wow, so look I, at that I, membrane. I need to find the nest here in a minute. But, so the egg is just about a little bit smaller than sweet pea size. The membrane right now is small. It's about dime diameter, but they're gonna get up to nickel to quarter diameter over the next few days. Wow. So I wanna put this in the bucket right now. You think that came out of one it of the could be in the boxes? nest boxes, so we'll, I will check. This nest box here has never gotten eggs before. 
that the male's been in there for years, but I don't know if it's in that box or if it's a natural nest nearby where it floated. So I do think we're a little early on breeding. However, we know some breeding has occurred because we just found some eggs. Oh my gosh, so, that's... So it's about to get exciting now. Ooh. So, so I'm gonna... Go I can't believe out. you were able to spot that. Yeah. That is little. Let me go back out and see where these came from. Okay. <laughs> it what? is in the nest box. It is? So these nest boxes have been here for since 2012. We've never gotten eggs in this box before, and this one's loaded with eggs. It's loaded? Yep. Wow! That's where that egg came from, so... I could luckily put it back in the chamber, but I need to take some photographs of the eggs so I can do counts on how many, but just the first peek in there, there's probably somewhere between 200 and 300 eggs. Whoa! So, fun, fun. Oh my gosh! <laughs> This is, this is, this is crazy. This is awesome I news. I love it when I get a new exciting find for the year. And this is on your first day too. Yeah. So of this your is checks. a new box, never had eggs before. So but there's exciting. always been a male inside, right? Always, same male for years and years. So makes it interesting. So I'm gonna go down now with an underwater camera. Okay. Pop the lid, take some photographs of the eggs. Okay because I could do counts on them later. All right. But I will be right back. As a sidebar, while Jeff is taking his pictures, if you guys have never worn waders before, <laughs> I would definitely recommend. They're kind of cozy. I'm borrowing a pair that uh, Jeff let me wear, and um, I might have to go get my own. Over 300 eggs in there. 300? Yeah, that would be a little. I'll have to be calculated. This is, doesn't. Whoa. <laughs> so each egg is in their own little membrane. Yeah, they're all connected together like pearls. Okay, like a necklace yeah. or pearls. So there's more back in here from different poses. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot in there. So. That's good. That's good news. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Hellbender breeding is pretty unique. In the fall, males will start making nests by digging a hollow under a big rock. He'll then wait for a female to come and lay eggs, usually two strands of 100 to 350. The male will spray his sperm on the eggs, and then the female will leave. The male will stay to guard the eggs, which hatch in four to six weeks. And the father will watch over those babies until they leave the nest in late winter or early spring. Because hellbenders spend most of their lives under rocks, it's so important to leave rocks alone and not to move them. A lot of people like to stack rocks as a form of nature art or meditation, but by moving them, we could be destroying hellbenders' homes or causing them to collapse and even destroying habitat for other animals as well. To give them a better chance, Jeff and his colleagues developed the first hellbender nesting boxes of their kind. Around 2008 and nine, we developed some prototypes. No one's ever tried it before. And we put a few in the wild. 
the different prototypes and we had a few animals using them but after getting some knowledge of the rocks that they like and stuff we settled in on one design and try to modify you so in 2010 our first true test we put seven boxes out in june of 2020 in a river in an ozark hellbender stream we bent back the first week of november water was pretty chilly and I'll, I'll never forget, we were checking those seven boxes. I think it was box number six of checking that day. I went up to it and I noticed there was a hellbender at the tunnel and he tried to bite me. So that's a good sign that he's probably defending a nest. So I told the, my colleagues there, I said, wait, wait, let's stand back. Let me go get my camera. Because I had a feeling when I moved all the rocks and took the lid off that I was going to see eggs and I wanted that first initial appearance of those eggs and it was crazy because when we opened it they were well developed so when the sunlight hit them the embryos were moving and they just kind of shimmered and it looked like little golden nuggets because they have these yolk sacks and stuff and and so right then I mean we just put boxes out seven boxes and got a nest on a river that no one has ever found eggs on so so it's very exciting but what even interesting is you never know if you're dreaming <laughs> and i'll have to say my colleagues and i are driving our jet boats back to the ramp we stopped a couple of times to look in the box because uh, we removed the eggs to take to the zoo to make sure eggs were there and we weren't dreaming i'll have to say on my route to the zoo i pulled over a couple of times to still think maybe i was dreaming but it was definitely real, real animals and some of those animals got released like in 2016. So that meant a lot for the first eggs ever got in a nest box to be released. So after that, we went from seven boxes to 78 boxes across the state oh and increased our numbers. And uh, they've been very successful, but typically what has happened for many years, animals like the boxes, they use them, but not all boxes get eggs. Mm -hmm. And there's go-to boxes every year. They always have eggs and eggs, but Every so often, especially in the last couple of years, there's some new ones, boxes that have animals that have never gotten eggs in 10 or 11 years get eggs. And like, this is our first nest today. This box has never gotten eggs. This male has been in this box since 2012, and this is the first time they're there. So why, why now? I mean, it's hard to know. Is there other females in the area? Maybe a female moved into the area and decided to use that, but we have released a lot of hellbenders and maybe some of those hellbenders we released have grown up, got to a larger size now and they're breeding in these boxes. Mm -hmm. So, and this spot where we're at today, even last year, we found, we had another box that never gotten eggs before, had eggs last year. Yeah. So I went from this small set of eight boxes here that one always gets eggs now over the time period five of the eight have gotten eggs at least one time oh my god so it'll be exciting now when i come back next year to see if there's eggs into this one yeah absolutely uh, so you were saying with the design of these nesting boxes you might have to compare to other ones just to see like if you need to adapt some of the measurements. Yeah. I mean, the thing we did, I mean, you can make molds of these boxes and make them all exactly the same size, but we actually prefer not to. We hand make these, our wire, concrete them, but they're all slightly different. Where the entrance, where the albender goes might be a centimeter or two difference. The chamber length or tunnel length, how much volume in the chamber so we, by making them slightly different, we can actually run stats on them. And 
now that we're getting many years of data with more in there, what we're kind of seeing is we think we got the tunnel design perfect for the animals to defend and guard their nests, mm -hmm. but we actually think it's the volume of the chamber that they want that slightly bigger chamber, uh, even though that slightness might only be a half an inch bigger. So adding this box now into the mix with the stats, it'll probably start showing more and more. And if that's the case, then we know from here on out, if we want to design more, just a few minor tweaks, but we know they love them <laughs> already. I, I, I'm just going to tell you, uh, all the years of the last 12 years, photographing the eggs, we photograph all the eggs, do counts on these eggs, estimate how many are in there. But just alone in the last 12 or 13 years, we've estimated the production just from these 78 nest boxes have been over 30,000 eggs. So, substantial. Yeah, and so most of these stay in the wild to hatch there, but we remove some and take them to the zoo to raise them and uh, so that they can be released back in the river too. Mm -hmm. So like today, I mean, we'll, right now we're leaving the eggs in there. They're very fresh, fairly fresh. I'd just say they're two, maybe three days old. If I want to collect those, I'm going to wait almost three and a half more weeks. I want them well-developed, embryos moving and then we would collect some of these. And these would be an ideal one to collect because I've never collected here before. And I don't need to take them all. I might take a hundred of these mm -hmm. for down the line because we're really wanting the different genetics. Because I know this male, I don't have any of his breeding stock yet because I've right. never collected here. Right. And so, so we make those conscious decisions throughout the fall. And what I've learned, <laughs> really, the more success you have, it's the harder to manage all of the success. So you got to start making huge databases and stuff to remember, okay, when did I take eggs out of this box? Did I take eggs from this nest? And you have to say who's related to whom. And so we, we make sure we're not removing a lot of brothers and sisters. And with that success continuing and you're releasing a lot of animals you've already raised, that's going to start muddying up the water a little bit. But ultimately, it's gonna help the whole situation. So with success comes a lot of more paperwork, I would say. Uh, yeah, I would say so, <laughs> but it sounds like a good problem to have. Oh, definitely. I mean, we sat back years ago. I mean, I could remember every little thing and never have to write it down. And now it's like, I've gotta have databases, spreadsheets of knowing, okay, this daddy whose pit tag is this is always in this box. I removed his eggs on this date. Cause if I remove his babies, when they grow up in eight or 10 years, if we wanna breed them at the zoo, mm -hmm. 10 years later, I've gotta go back and know all of that information. Right. And then make sure the females we put with him came from somewhere else on the river, because we don't want them to come from the same location. We wanna mix up genetics even more. And uh, so luckily, most people working with endangered animals don't have this kind of success. And luckily, the success we're having makes database management harder, but ultimately it's gonna be more beneficial for the survival of this species down the line. Okay, so we found another nest yep. full of eggs. Probably right now I just pulled a few out. So I'll take some photographs, stage them. But the male's right there at the hole. He was a little aggressive biting he's, he's trying to be a little bitey he's a little bitey today yeah, well he's trying to defend his uh defend his eggs 
So this is the second nest of eggs that we found today. Yeah. I'm saying we because I know I've, I've been a huge help to you today. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you can help record some more data. Yay! <laughs> so this is a repeat male. He usually has a nest every year. Very reliable male. I think over the last 12 or 13 years, only one time I did not get eggs out of this location. So. Oh, wow. So we got a male in there, definitely attending. He's at the entrance. A little bit aggressive. That means he's got eggs back there, which we've already seen. We'll look at them a little closer here in a minute, but they look like about the same as the last ones we found, about two to three days old. And so they'll hatch in how long? A few weeks? It'll be four, maybe five weeks, depending on water temperature. And then uh, they'll hatch into little bitty yoked larvae, bright yellow yolks, no legs, little gills, helpless. But they're way back in these chambers where the males are guarding them. So the male will defend them, and then they'll absorb the yolk sac as food for the next three months or so start developing front and hind limbs and eventually they'll just once they absorb their yolk sac they're about an inch inch and a half they'll turn real black in color and eventually there won't be no food in there and they'll leave but I that's see. usually march or april so that male will defend them from from september all the way to march or april of 2024 for this clutch what do hellbenders eat their main diet especially adults is crayfish yeah, okay. they mainly eat crayfish, but they would eat small sculpins and minnows and stuff. Earthworms, if they come into the river, but it's really strong crayfish. They're meat eaters. Uh, oh, by far. Yeah. All right. Okay, so this is... Nest number three. This is nest number three. Yep, these eggs are way, way back there. I didn't see the male. I found this nest for the first time last year, so it's a repeat from last year. So I could tell one's been using it, but these eggs are probably almost a meter and a half back in this hole. But, yeah, so. This is good news. Three for today. You're starting the, your first day off, I feel like, on a oh, yeah. it's good note. Always. First day of the nest checks. First day of the season. Yeah. Like I was saying before, the most nest I've ever found in an entire year is 29. I've never broken 30. I've only broken 25 nests twice in 20 years. So this maybe this is the year I finally break 30. That I'm going to have to search hard. You could have a little nature boost luck, Jeff. Maybe a, you know, a little Jill Pritchard magic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a hellbitter head. See it? I see it. Yeah, so, I just... Yeah, he's sitting right there below you. Oh, my see, God. See, now that hole comes all the way back here. Look, there he is. He's moving. There he goes back in. Oh, my so God. So that's probably another it. one. I'll look in there to see... Uh, look, he's coming back out. Yeah, he's... He is waiting for a, a female to come along, too. I just can't believe I happened to look down, and I'm... Yeah, see, this time of year, when breeding's starting, they 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 can be out some. And he did He's not totally Look, out. Look, there he is. I'm gonna wait for his head to come back. If he can get his whole neck out, I'll get him. Look at his little pancake I'm gonna, head. I'm gonna run over there and 
I just want to see if this yeah, is yeah. a different male. Okay. See if I see this animal. Oh my gosh. What a special day. Okay, so we checked a few more locations and didn't see any more eggs. But overall, just to recap, three active nests. Three, three nests today. They're all about two to three days old from laying eggs. So we're just at the start of breeding. So I'll probably come back again next week, start okay. searching some more. And if I did my math right, we saw a total of 19 hellbenders today. So we got and to I see quite one. a few. I saw one of those yeah. 19 hellbenders. I spotted it before you did, which is crazy. Yeah, almost right between your legs. I know it really was. I just happened to look down and there it was. That was an awesome experience. What are you going to do with all this information then? What happens? Well, every year, I mean, we're recording data. Like today, we found three nests and one was a new one in a nest box. So that's exciting to see. But we're just getting long-term data on these sites, trying to find new locations to better understand why they choose certain rocks over others or locations and just keep gaining more information. But ultimately, the goal is to keep looking for eggs, collect some of them, propagate them, raise them at the zoo to bring back a larger size to increase the numbers in the river. So it's been a very positive day and I'm sure it's gonna be a positive season before it's all over. Hellbender, salamander, amphibian Breathes in oxygen through its skin Protects its body with a layer of slime In North America, it's the largest kind of salamander When we recorded this interview in September, Jeff didn't know just how positive this season would turn out to be. Not only did he find 32 hellbender nests last year, the most he's found in his 20 years, but he got some even better news. An eastern hellbender raised at the St. Louis Zoo had successfully reproduced on the Gasconade River. Jeff said hellbender nests are rarely found on the Gasconade River, so it was a pleasant surprise to find one and an overwhelming surprise to learn the father was a zoo-released animal. The Ozark and the eastern variety So we know what happens when scientists collect hellbender data and eggs from the wild. But what happens next when they're raised at the St. Louis Zoo? Stay tuned for next month's follow-up episode where I speak with the zoo's curator of herpetology and aquatics, Justin Eldon, and learn how the zoo breeds and cares for hellbenders. Thanks to MDC's herpetologist, Jeff Brigler, and thanks to you for listening to another episode of Nature Boost. I'm Jill Pritchard with the Missouri Department of Conservation, encouraging you to get your daily dose of the outdoors.